0: Genesis, Genesis chapter eleven. Genesis chapter eleven. So we're going to go back about four thousand years today. You know, it's it's a new year, it's a new beginning, and uh, you know we're coming back to church and you know getting things going again. And and I wanted to to talk about what does it mean to grow in faith. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at a man named Abram or Abraham, as we will know him in our story. His his name is still Abram. But uh, Abram is going to be what's known as the father of faith. He's in what you and I would call the Old Testament in Genesis, but he is the picture of what it means to be a what we would say a New Testament believer. So there's a lot that, that we can learn about our walk with the Lord uh, from this man, Abraham. And what I love about Abraham is that he's a prototype for, for our, you know, a, an example for how we grow and how we walk in faith. And what I appreciate about him is that he gets some things right, but he gets some things wrong. And uh, I can tell you that in my life, I've got some things right, but I've got, I've got a lot of things wrong. But the good news is that God never gave up on Abraham. And the reason this is a picture is to show that God never gives up on us. So I'm I'm hoping that this will be an encouragement for us. So Abraham, uh, mentioned over 300 times in the Bible, and the Bible says there in your outline, he says, Abraham is the father of all who believe. So uh, he's going to be the pattern of what it means to grow. We're going to find that his spiritual journey is like our spiritual journey, and it is a journey. There's some ups and downs. So uh, let me just begin with a quick question just to make sure that I'm talking to the, the right group of people. How many of you thought that by this time in your life you'd be a little bit more spiritual than you are? Okay. How many of you thought that by this time in your spiritual walk you wouldn't still be making as many dumb mistakes as as you are? Okay, so, so this is for you today. This is for you today. So uh, we're going to highlight some of Abraham's struggles, his victories, his journey. We're going to pick it up in chapter 11 of Genesis. I'm going to pick it up in verse 27 to give a little bit of background. It says, now these are the records of generations of Terah. You want to underline that? That's going to be Abraham's dad. Terah became the father of Abram. Now we're going to know him as Abraham, but right now his name is still Abram. Nahor and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. You want to underline that? Lot is going to be Abraham's nephew. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his birth in Ur of the Chaldeans. Ur of the Chaldeans. So a couple of things. First of all, Lot will be the nephew of Abraham. Lot's father has passed away. So uh, he's going to kind of attach himself to Abraham. And so it says in Ur of the Chaldeans. Let me just give you a little perspective here. Um, Ur of the Chaldeans is over in the area of modern day Iraq and that's where the, uh, Abraham's journey is going to begin. Now there on your outline Ur, uh, if you were to look this up in a Bible dictionary it would just tell you that Ur was the center of moon worship. Now for those who worship the moon their symbol was a crescent moon. Later on, out of that region, it would morph into another religion whose symbol would also be the crescent moon. This will be the beginning point of where Abraham begins to to, uh, have his journey with the Lord. Verse 29, it says, Abram and Nahor took wives for themselves. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. We will know her as Sarah. And the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. And there's a whole story there. But we won't go into it today. Verse 30, Sarai was barren and she had no child. Now we're going to find in the story beyond what we see today, but there's going to be two kings. Sarai is so beautiful that two kings will try to take her as, as their wife. And our story begins, she's about 65 years of age and she's had no baby at this point. Verse 31, Terah, Abram's dad, took Abram, his son. And you want to underline that. That's going to be important for our study. And Lot, the son of Haran, or Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, the daughter in law, his son, Abram's wife. And they went out together from Ur of the Chaldeans. And we saw that on the map. In order to enter the land of Canaan. Now, the land of Canaan is the area that you and I would call Israel. That's just the, the land of Canaan. But they don't make it all the way. It says they went as far as Haran. And actually, this is a different pronunciation than Terah's son. This is more like Haran, but uh, we'll just stick with Haran so I don't embarrass myself. And they settled there. So they settled in this place called Haran. Well, uh, verse 32, the days of Terah were 205 years and Terah died in Haran. Terah died in Haran. So as our story begins, it takes us up to Abraham's following Terah. Uh, he takes Lot along with him. His father dies, and they've never made it at this point into the promised land, the land of Canaan. So we're going to pick it up in chapter 12, and we'll read the first couple of verses. It says, now, the Lord said to Abram. Now, how many of your Bibles say the Lord had said to Abram? Okay, that's good. But that's, the, the word had is going to be very important. The Lord had said to Abram. Go forth from your country, from your relatives, and uh, pay attention to what God is saying to him, from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. God doesn't say which land, just follow me. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I'll make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. The idea is that, that one day the Messiah, the Christ, is going to ultimately come through Abraham's line. So Abraham is the father of faith. He's the model for all of us as far as how we walk with the Lord. He is also going to be the first Jewish person. He's the first Jew. And uh, God says to Abraham, I will make you great. And anybody who blesses you, I will bless. And anybody who curses you, I will curse. And I want you to write this down. This is going to be very important for our study through prophecy, that what God says to Abraham, these promises that God makes to Abraham are unconditional. It's all unconditional. Nowhere in this promise does it say, as long as you behave, as long as you do this. this is, God says, this is what I'm doing and has nothing to do with Abraham's behavior. That'll be important as we study prophecy. Verse one, in my translation, it says, the Lord said to Abram, but there on your outline, I put it more accurately. Most, some of your Bibles will say it like this. Now the Lord had said to Abram. Now this is important. What God is saying is, In the first three verses here that we've just read, what God is saying here is something that God had said to Abram. Many years before, we find that God had said this very same thing. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, there's a guy named Stephen, or Stephen, however your Bible would say it. He's giving a sermon, and he says this on your outline. He said, hear me, brethren and fathers. The God of glory appeared to our father Abram, and you want to underline, when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. So before Abraham followed his father and they settled in Haran, God had already spoken this to Abraham. Now, God had said, and we just read it, leave your father's house, leave your relatives, follow me to the land that I'm going to show you. And so write write this down. Abraham heard... Abraham heard God's voice saying, follow me. Now, what we're going to find is when God first spoke to Abraham, as you put the dots together, uh, Abraham's about 50 years of age when God first speaks to Abraham. Our story is going to pick up today. He's going to be about 75 years of age. And what we find is that in chapter 11, verse 31, it says the days of Terah were 205 years and Terah died in Haran. Now, that's going to be important because God had told Abraham many years before that he was to leave his father's house, he was to separate from his relatives, he was to follow him. But what Abraham did, and if you look at verse 31 of chapter 11, it says, Terah took Abram his son. What we see is that Abram did not separate from his father's house or his relatives. Write write this down sadly what we're going to find is that Abraham follows the wrong relationship. God said it many years before, I want you to leave, follow me. What he did though was he followed Terah, his father. Now here's what happens when we do this. There in your outline, if you were to look up the word Terah in the, uh, in the Hebrew, the word just means delay. Does everybody see that? Just means delay. It can also be translated as wandering. What we're going to find, since Abraham did not follow the Lord and separate himself, uh, we're going to find that this is going to be a massive delay in Abraham's life, a massive delay in his journey. So God says, leave this relationship, follow me. Abraham doesn't leave the relationship. He follows the wrong relationship And then we find in verse 32 of chapter 11, it says the days of Terah were 205 years and Terah died in Haran. It's actually pronounced Haran, something like that, but uh, we'll just stick with Haran. So we find that he followed the wrong relationship, but that just led to Haran. What does Haran mean? Well, in the original language, I put it there on your outline, it just means parched and from a root word that just means angry, burn, or dry. So Abraham is a believer. He's heard from God, but he follows the wrong relationship, turns into a big delay, and leads him to the place where he's just parched, just the place that we'd call parched. Does that make sense? So the only place that this relationship can take him because it's now a wrong relationship that God said separate is the, the place of being parched. Now, the, the part that I don't want us to miss is that we've heard that God had spoken to Abraham way back when, when he was in Mesopotamia. But what we notice here is that the next time that God speaks to Abraham, write this down, Abraham doesn't hear from God until that relationship ends. It's not recorded that God ever speaks again when Abraham does not separate and he doesn't follow the Lord. It's not until that, uh, that relationship ends. It's the same for us. When God calls us to separate from something, we know that he's called us and we don't do that. We find ourselves in the place of being parched. And uh, we're going to find that there's going to be a real lack of hearing from God as far as, as direction is, is, is concerned. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, am I the only person who's ever done this? I mean, I, 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 am I just... I am, aren't I? This is all about me, okay? Now, what, 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 I, what I also want to highlight here, and uh, you want to write this down, is that Bible scholars, uh, as they put together the dots, uh, connect the dots, Abraham's going to burn up about 25 years of his life following the wrong relationship, ending up in the place of parched. They intended to go to Canaan, the promised land, but they couldn't get there. That's a chunk of life. So from the first time that God speaks to Abraham until the relationship ends, uh, it's not recorded that God ever says anything again to Abraham. So the question is, since Abraham has missed this chunk of life not doing what it is that God has called him to do, is God mad at Abraham? Well, the answer to that uh, is no. And here's a great verse that hopefully if you've ever given up a chunk of your life, not separating from a relationship that God called you to, leading you to a place of being parched. uh, There's this great verse, and hopefully this is encouraging for you. Therefore, the Lord will wait, that he may be gracious to you, and therefore he will be exalted, and that he may have mercy on you. So God's not mad at Abraham. He's just waiting. I've told you what to do. When you're ready and you're ready to take that step, then we'll continue going forward. So the good news is now that Abraham, this uh, relationship is ended, they get back on the path. And so we pick it up in Genesis chapter 12, verse four, and it says, and so Abraham went forth as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him. Now you want to underline that because God had told Abraham, you need to separate from this. Uh, but the Holy Spirit's going to highlight that he didn't. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, a place of parched. Abram took Sarai, his wife, Lot, his nephew, and I've underlined that, and all their possessions which they had accumulated and the persons which they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and thus they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem to the oak of Moreh, Now, the Canaanite was in the land. The Canaanite was in the land. Um, By the way, just write this down. If I'm not hearing from God, I need to go back to the last thing that God said. Uh, What we just read here, Abraham is now back on the path. And one of the things that we find in Abraham's journey is that God does not disclose the destination. And you want to write that down. I'm all about vision. I'm all about goals. Every year I set goals and I go to work to achieve them. And and, uh, but I've learned in life, as we're going to see in Abraham's life, that sometimes God just says, follow me. And all God's going to do is give just the next step, the next step. And so it's in that you know, for, for many people, it's very difficult for them to go forward following the Lord if they don't have everything worked out on the front end. What we're going to see in Abraham's life is that God doesn't give him a lot of extra steps. It's just the next step. He's growing in faith. So um, Sometimes and I want you to write this down. Sometimes God leads us into the unknown, and it's usually out of our comfort zone. So in verse six, it says Abraham passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem to the oak of Moreh. Now the Canaanite was then in the land. Now there's a couple of things that you need to know. First of all, this is going to be a new culture for Abraham to go into. He doesn't know uh, the culture. He doesn't know the language. One of the things that the Bible teaches and we're going to look at it when we look at Bible prophecy, is that the Bible teaches that those who are in Canaan aren't completely human. And uh, so that's going to be a story for another day. If you like weird stuff, uh, that's going to be a great story for you. Do you like weird stuff? Good, good. Three of you do. We're going to have a great time. So what we notice though, is that sadly, Abraham, although he's getting it, hasn't completely got it. So he takes Lot with him. Now, interesting when you look up Lot's name there on your outline, Lot just means veil. It can also be translated as concealed or covering. And what we're going to find is that Abraham's reasoning about this relationship is going to become a veil for him. He's going to be blinded by his own reasoning. So here's some of Abraham's reasoning. You know, I I can't walk away from Lot. I mean, when you think about his dad's passed away. His grandfather's passed away. Tara's gone. I'm his uncle. I need to be there for him. I mean, what happens if I just leave him? You know, and, and I, just, I just can't bring myself to leave him. Now, what's also important for you to understand is that Lot, in our story, is at least 50 years old. So it's not like he's a teenage kid that Abraham's abandoning, but, but God has told him, let go of Lot. So far, so good? The reason... God said, let go of Lot and this relationship is because God can see the future. And as you read the story, what you'll find is that because Abraham took Lot with him, ultimately this is going to destroy Lot's life and his family's life. When God tells you to let go of a relationship, it's because God knows the future. So he always tells us to do uh, what's good. So He's the father of faith, but right now he's, not doing, he's doing okay, but, but not so great. But we're going to see something in Abraham's life, is that there is this growing heart of worship. He's growing, and uh, so we'll pick it up in verse 7. It says, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give this land, land of Canaan, you, you and I know it as Israel. So he, and you want to, built an altar, underline that, to the Lord who had appeared to him. Then he proceeded from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and I've underlined Bethel, and pitched his tent, you want to underline that, with Bethel, underlined on the west, and Ai on the east. And there he built the altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And you notice they built the altar twice. One of the reasons that we find is that that God loves this man so much, is that Abraham is growing in his priorities. He's not completely there, but we notice something. We notice in the wording that he pitches his tent, but he builds his altar. When you build something, you're saying this is permanent. When you pitch a tent, it becomes something that's temporary. It's just, just temporary what we are seeing in Abraham's life is there's this growing sense of focusing in on what's most important, that which is going to be permanent. Now, when, when you and I look back, we think, well, didn't everybody live in tents way back when? Well, uh, interesting thing about that, not everybody did. There in your outline, in the New Testament, we're told that Abraham chose to live in a tent. And it says, by faith, he, or Abraham, lived as an alien in the land of promise, that's Canaan, Israel, as in a foreign land dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. Now here's why. For he was looking for the city which has foundations whose architect and builder is God. Abraham made the choice to hold on to the things here very lightly and to build the things which were eternal. He said, I, I, I'm waiting for that eternal city. Now that's important. Um, I put a point there on your outline and I wish I could have um, changed it before it went to print. So if you want to cross out part of it, you can do that. But uh, the warning here is that we need to make sure that we don't build our tents and pitch our altar uh, and because that's very common. And we see that throughout church life. You know, we're serving the Lord all of a sudden our schedule gets busy. And and sadly for many, the first thing that goes is what we're doing for the Lord. That says something. And we put God first in in certain areas of our life. And as soon as things begin to happen, the first thing that goes is what we're doing for the Lord. And what we find is that for many, if we're not careful, we will find ourselves building our tents, which is temporary, and, and pitching our altar. So Abraham's getting it, and that's a good thing. Well, the story continues. And uh, so, the, so go ahead and write this down. The message then is to have a tent mentality. So one of the other things that we see in Abraham's life as he's growing, and he's a picture of all of us, verse eight, it says, then he proceeded from there to the mountain on the east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, Ai on the east. Well, it's interesting um, Abraham has come into the promised land, but he's now dwelling somewhere between Bethel and Ai. So what does that mean? Well, there on your outline, um, as he comes into the promised land, there on your outline, he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. Bethel there on your outline means house of God and Ai means ruin, or you can also translate it as heap. The idea is he's following the Lord. He's in the promised land, but he's somewhere between the house of God and a heap, a ruin. Uh, was this a good place to be? That's where you say no. So we're gonna see that as we go. Now that's gonna be important for our study. So um, Abraham's growing, oh, verse 10. So now there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt. And he went on the line, down to Egypt to sojourn there for the famine was severe in the land. Now, this is interesting. We have a map of Egypt. So Abraham is there between Bethel and Ai, which is just north of Jerusalem, and he goes down to Egypt, down to Egypt. Now, that's going to be important because what it doesn't say is that Abraham prayed about this situation. He didn't seek the Lord. He just sees that I'm in a famine, and he makes a decision. So go ahead and write this down. Abraham is growing, but he's still making decisions based upon circumstances over what God said, over what God said. Interesting thing about uh, Egypt there on your outline throughout the Old Testament would say this, woe to those who go down to Egypt for help, but they do not look to the Holy One of Israel, nor seek the Lord. It's not recorded here that Abraham seeks the Lord, looks to the Lord, he sees a famine, makes a decision, and just heads down to Egypt. Now, you also want to write this down: Egypt in the Bible always represents the Lord. I mean, the world, the world. So it's, and that's why it's always going down. So here's what we learn. Here's what we learn. Write this down: Sometimes, it takes more faith to stay in the promised land than it does to go to the promised land sometimes God calls you and I somewhere. And when we get there, even though we've been called, when there's a famine in somehow, some way, it takes more faith to stay where God has called us. So let, let's say some of uh, you're here, you're a lady, you're single, uh, you're saved, but there's no man you're in a man famine. The temptation, the temptation can be to leave where God has called you and to go to the place where God has not called you to meet that need. And what we find, and if you know the story of Abraham, nothing good comes out of this little journey that Abraham takes. Uh, For those of you who are married, would you agree that sometimes it's easier to get married, which we thought was the promised land, and it is, but sometimes in marriage you go through what we might call a famine, and sometimes it's easier to go to the promised land than to stay in the promised land. So you don't even want to say anything on that one because because you're going to get beat up by your spouse. But the truth is, but the truth is sometimes it's harder to stay where God has called you than to go there initially. So we're going to see that. Well, as we go, um, here's what we can agree on. Boy, well, I just feel like I'm so confused today. You guys pray for me right now, okay? I feel like there's like a trap around my mind, which is pretty standard for me, but... So, so here's what we can agree on. God isn't surprised by the famine. God has a plan In the famine. And famines teach us that where God guides, God provides. One of the things that we learn as we walk in faith is that when God wants to teach you something, he puts you in a situation where you have to trust. And and that's the only way to grow in faith. So, so far right now, the father of faith isn't doing so good here. But the good news, and the good news for us, is God is not finished with Abraham. So before it gets better, it's going to get worse. We pick it up in verse 11, and it says, and it came when he came near Egypt that he said to Sarai, his wife, see now, I know that you are a beautiful woman, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, and I've underlined kill me, but they will let you live. Please say that you are my sister so that it may go, underline, well with me because of you, that I may live on account of you. So basically what Abraham's saying is, I want to make sure I live, whatever happens to you, I don't care, but you know, I, I want to make sure that I'm okay. That's basically what's going on. So I, I think like a guy. Um, so I need to get your lady's opinion. Um, is Abraham being kind of a jerk here? Okay. So, uh, so ladies, if this was your husband, would you go along with this plan? Some of you are going like, yeah, I would actually, but that's the wrong answer. That's the wrong answer. So, so here's, what we see. here's what we see in Abraham's life and, and uh, this is so important for us. Small compromises lead to big compromises. Small compromises. God said, follow me so Abraham followed his dad. God said, leave the relatives so Abraham took Lot. God said, go to the promised land as soon as Abraham saw difficulty, he heads down to Egypt and now He's asking his wife to compromise. Small compromises lead to big compromises. By the way, Sarai, Sarah is actually his half-sister. That's a story for another day. Verse 14, it came about when Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that that the woman was very beautiful. Pharaoh's officials, officials saw her and praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Therefore, he treated Abram well for her sake. And gave him sheep and oxen and donkeys and male and female servants and, and female donkeys and camels. So it's, it's interesting to me, Sarah is taken now into the palace. And I've always, um, it, it's not in the Bible, but I've always envisioned this happening this way, that this is somewhat of a temptation for Sarah. You know, she, she uh, Abraham's been kind of a jerk. She goes from living in a tent to living in the palace. She looks out over the palace and she sees Abraham. He's out there with the sheep. He smells like a goat. He hasn't had a bath in a long time. And uh, she's now had a bath for the first time in probably a very long time. She looks out over at Abraham. He sees it, Sarah. I, I, I've always envisioned him like chewing on a piece of grass or something like that. Sarah. She's looking. At, and all of a sudden, Pharaoh, who in my story is very good looking, very good looking, And he comes walking in to his new wife, comes walking, his glass of wine, and he's walking in. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) And she's like, "Mm." but fortunately, it's at this point that God intervenes. Verse 17, otherwise the story would totally go south. But the Lord struck Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah. (laughs) I've always been, I'm I'm going on. (laughs) Many people believe that the the plague, and there's good reason, I won't go into it, but they believe it was hemorrhoids. And so I've, so, hello. And it's like, I'll be back. (laughs) They connect the dots and realize God's, back to the Bible, (laughs) But the Lord struck Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Then Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this you've done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister so that I took her from my wife? Now then, here's your wife. Take her and go. And verse 20, and Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him and they escorted him away with his wife and all that belonged to him. Literally, they take him and push him out of the country. So here's what happens. And, and I want you to write this down. Abraham's compromise now makes him look bad before unbelievers. He's blown his testimony and, uh, and he's blown his testimony in a very bad way. But the good news is that for Abraham, even though he's blown his testimony and he looks really bad in front of a bunch of unbelievers, God's not finished with Abraham, and he's not finished with you, and he's not finished with me in the times that we've blown our testimony. Well, chapter 13, first four verses, so Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev, he and his wife and all that belonged to him, and Lot with him. Now, he's going to deal with that situation, not not here, uh, further on in the story. And he, uh, verse two, and Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and gold. And he went on his journeys from the Negev as far as Bethel, and notice the wording, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar, which he had made there formerly and where Abraham called on the name of the Lord. What I love about Abraham is that Abraham's really blown it. But one of the things that we're going to find about Abraham is he's going to start getting it right after he's blown his testimony in a very big way. And the thing about Abraham is he knows to come back to the place where the altar was. So what we're going to find, and if you read the story and it continues, you want to write this down, he goes to Egypt as a believer. But after he's blown his testimony, after he's compromised after all of that blows up, what we find is he's going to come back spiritual. He comes back spiritual. God uses that situation in Abram's life. As we begin this year, did you at least find that interesting today? I love words in the Bible because they're always significant and they tell the story. As we begin this year, if God has spoken to you about a relationship that you need to let go of. I'm not talking about your spouse, but a relationship that God has said, this is not for you. Until you hold on, until you let go of that relationship, you're just delayed. And all that can do is take you to the place of being parched. It wasn't until Abram let go of that relationship that he was able to hear from God again. If that's you today, don't take another year let go it could be that maybe the relationship is not a person maybe it's a relationship with a substance and you realize that god has been speaking to you about letting go of this relationship and if that's you i want you to know that on friday nights here we have a we're beginning a celebrate recovery ministry which believers come together and together they say goodbye to some relationships that have been destroying their lives. I'm not saying that I think it's wrong to have a glass of wine or a beer. I don't think that at all. But for some of us, that's not what we're having. We have a relationship and God has said, you need to let go of this relationship because the truth be told, it's leading you to a place where you're parched and delayed and it's hard to hear from God. So you need to let go. So for some of us, when we begin this new year, maybe it's just that we're beginning this new year, and if we were to look at the last year, we've blown our testimony. We've compromised. Uh, We've been living between the heap and the house of God, not really this way or that way. And it's causing us to live in ways that compromise. When you look at Abraham's trip down to Egypt, what he brought out of Egypt became a problem for Abraham, and it's a problem that we are dealing with today worldwide. If Abraham, if Abraham, if Abraham could have changed that one thing, I know he would have stayed right where God called him. But maybe, maybe uh, you've been between Ai and Bethel and God's saying, I want you to come to the place, Bethel, the house of God. And that's where your altar needs to be. And this is a new beginning. This is a new beginning and a great time to commit to doing that. Maybe, as we have to wrap up here, um, you're here today and the truth is you've heard God speak to you but you've never come to the place where you've said, I want that relationship. I've heard him speak, but I haven't begun that relationship. As you begin this new year, I want to encourage you today, as we close in prayer, take that step, invite Jesus to step into your life. God was always there in Abraham's life. When Abraham was ready, God was there. And the way that you do that is you just say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of everything that I've ever done and uh, believe that Jesus paid the price for everything that you've done and that you receive the free gift of salvation, a relationship with him that begins now and lasts through all eternity. And if you want that, as we close in prayer, and you need that, and you don't want to leave this planet without having that settled. Uh, Today's your opportunity. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, as we wrap this up, Lord, here's the the prayer. First of all, for some of us, we've been hanging on to a relationship that you've said, let go of, and we realize we're in a place where we're parched, we're not hearing, uh, we followed the wrong relationship, whatever that might be, and today, we're renouncing that. And we want to hear your voice and go forward. For some of us, Father, the truth be told, we're not really at the heap, we're not really in the house of God, we're somewhere in between, and all that leads to is great frustration. And for Abraham, it led to great compromise. Lord, maybe we're beginning today after great uh, blowing our testimony, and the message there is God's not through with us. Or Lord, maybe today we're beginning this relationship with you, and so we look to you, and we say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me for everything I've ever done. Save me. I want to follow you. And he says that if you invite him in, he will never leave. And that will begin your faith journey. And like Abraham, sometimes you'll get it right and sometimes you won't, but he never gives up. Father, I pray that you keep each and every one of us till we meet again. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and all God's people said, God bless you guys. We'll see you next time.